It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The 2020 season did not quite go as planned for Reds fans as the playoffs ended abruptly in the wild card round. Now the Reds are left to pick up the pieces during the offseason and fix a lineup that was the worst in Major League Baseball. How are they going to do it? What are they going to do? Rumors, transactions, news, all here on the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Let's go. What's up, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's podcast. We're going to talk about Nick Castellanos, why he was the Reds' best hitter in 2020, kind of piggybacking off of something that I did on the last podcast, talking about Jesse Winker being the Reds' best hitter in 2020. And then I'm going to ask you which you think between the two. We're the Reds' best hitter in 2020. Also going to talk about yet another bad rumor that I'm hearing about and what I think about it, uh, kind of work through it a little bit. You you may have heard the rumor, but uh, I'll save that for the second half of the podcast. But uh, let's talk about Nick Castellanos because this was his first year as a Red. We were super excited about the acquisition of Castellanos. In fact, I, I remember distinctly after the Reds signed him, we had a boom of listenership here on the podcast. Everybody was wanting to know about this new outfielder that the Reds got that they will be putting in right field. Now, they had that whole double option, double player option. He had an option to uh, opt out after this past season. He said he wasn't going to do that, so he is back for 2021. And after 2021, he also has another opt-out in his contract. So we will go through all of that again at the end of this upcoming season. But for now, he's with the Reds. And looking at 2020, on the hitting side of things, he looked pretty good. In in fact, I remember distinctly this game uh, being at the top of my memories for Nick Castellanos in 2020. That ball in the air to left center field hit pretty well, and Castellanos plays long ball here in the opening inning for the Reds. So after a two-hour rain delay after being washed out last night, that's the way to get it going, Nick Castellanos. That's in the air to deep right field. Has he done it again? You better believe it. This time the opposite way by Castellanos. 3-0 game. Castellanos for the first time hitting in that number two hole, and... Two big fly. You may remember that game because it was part of the doubleheader against the Tigers up in Detroit. And at this period in time, the Tigers had kind of owned the season series. And we said, boy, the Reds need to sweep this doubleheader uh, just to uh, get back to 500 against a team that we thought they were going to handle very easily at the beginning of the season. But Nick Castellanos pretty much single-handedly defeated the Tigers in game one. Uh, accounting for three runs, his first run being a uh, home run, being a two-run homer, and then his second being a solo shot, and the Tigers would go on to score three, and the Reds scored one more to win that first game. But overall, I mean, that was kind of 
the height of Castellanos' season because he continued his torrid pace with the bat for a few more days, up until August 7th. From the beginning of the season till then, he was hitting 340 with an on-base percentage of 411 and a slugging percentage of 840. Just absolutely phenomenal numbers for the first 14 games of the season. Then things started to cool down a bit. In fact, uh, for the next four games after August 7th, he went one for 16. And his average really took a dip. It ended up at 225. And his on-base percentage at 298. So you're thinking, okay, that's not that great, especially when you compare it to Jesse Winkers. But his slugging percentage was still 486. And in fact, when you look at his... StatCast numbers, when he hit the ball, he was hitting it amazing. 16% of the time, he was getting a barrel. Kind of like I mentioned with Jesse Winker, a barrel means he's getting solid contact. He's hitting the ball really hard, and plus you hear that beautiful sound like you heard on the first home run where it's just an absolute blast, and it is amazing. And that's where, I mean, that and the fact that his last name kind of plays well to this, but that's where he got his nickname, Blastianos. And it's kind of corny, I, I know. But I love it. I love that nickname for him. And he's going to maintain that nickname at least one more season in a Reds uniform. Some more fun facts about Nick Castellanos 2020. He actually led the team in games played. He played all 60 Games. He had the most at bats, obviously, following that with 218 at bats, 14 home runs with 34 RBIs. The one thing that kind of bit him in the butt a little bit, though, was the strikeout to walk ratio. He had 69 strikeouts compared to 19 walks. And when you look at that all total, he struck out more than the league average and he walked less than the league average. So something for him to uh, kind of improve on here in 2020 or 2021. But that's also something that is kind of well-known about Castellanos. He's an aggressive swinger, doesn't take a lot of pitches. And because of that, he kills the pitches that he hits, but he also strikes out quite a bit. It'll be interesting to see if they tweak his approach a little bit because one of the things that we know with the Reds lineup is they need more guys on base. They need more consistency of guys getting on base for others to bring in. Now, Castellanos is a guy that we're expecting to bring in the runs. And that's why he was hitting in the two hole. He was hitting in the four hole. They were trying to figure out exactly where he fit into the lineup. I'd like to see him hit second a lot more this coming season. I think he did pretty well there, and I think he will continue to do pretty well there. But I think he merits consideration as far as the best hitter on the lineup goes because he was really the other catalyst other than Jesse Winker that was bringing in the runs. So I now have that poll up at Locked On Reds on Twitter, or if you want to respond on the Locked On Reds line at 513-549-0159, who do you think was the Reds' best hitter? Was it Jesse Winker or was it Nick Castellanos? Some could maybe make the argument for A. Eugenio Suarez, but the fact that he barely hit above 200 kind of disqualifies him for me. So it's between Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. I want to hear from you on this one. What do you think? All right, coming up here, uh, there's a rumor going around, and you may have heard it. 
But just in case you haven't, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to tell you a couple of different sides to the rumor, a couple of different thoughts. All right, so the poll is off and running, seeing what people think as far as the Reds' best hitter was concerned between Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. Let's look at another rumor. The first big rumor we looked at was MLB Network putting out their idea that the Reds could offer to the Indians for Francisco Lindor. thought that was a terrible trade idea, and the Reds would look silly if they did that. There's another rumor out there that if it comes to fruition, there's a really good chance the Reds could look silly if this happens. Reports are, and and this was coming from multiple sources, including Ken Rosenthal, which means that it's concrete. It's actually a thing. Rival executives and uh, guys who run other baseball teams were reporting to Ken Rosenthal that the Reds are making Sonny Gray available in trades. Now, not necessarily that they're actively trying to deal him, but kind of testing the waters, seeing what they could get for Sonny Gray. Let me tell you a couple of different sides here. The first side is the reaction that we all had. Are you kidding me? There's no way. Sonny Gray is ace 1B of the Red staff. They're probably going to lose Trevor Bauer. There's no way you even entertain the idea of losing another top flight starter from this rotation. Plus, you look at his contract, it's pretty team friendly. It's not like we're looking at a dude who's making as much as Joey Votto is. In fact, he's pretty cost-controlled based on the deals that some free agent pitchers are already getting and the idea that the qualifying offer was $18.9 million this season. Kevin Gossman and Marcus Stroman of the Mets both accepted their qualifying offers. So both Kevin Gosman, who was a reliever for the Reds just two years ago, and Marcus Stroman, who I think if you put apples to apples comparing him to Sonny Gray, does not compare to Sonny Gray, are making a lot more than Sonny Gray. So it's not as if we're looking at a guy that the Reds need to get rid of his contract. So why on earth are the Reds even thinking about this? This is a terrible, terrible idea. Except when you consider the fact that he could bring in a haul. We look at this team and we think, okay, are they one player away? Maybe. But they might need two or three. They might need a couple of different guys. Sonny Gray would be an amazing trade chip with any team in Major League Baseball right now because of the fact that he's not that expensive and because of the fact that he's really, really good. So, with that being said, Is there a trade out there? Maybe. But it would have to be really freaking rich. Like, if the Padres came back and said, here's Fernando Tatis. Okay, yeah, sure, we're doing that deal. And we're not feeling that bad about that. But guess what? The Padres ain't doing that. Well, what do you think of the Rockies being like, here's Trevor's story? Yeah, I don't think you're that excited about that. I'm not that excited about that either. The Padres would probably, or the Rockies would probably have to throw in like Herman Marquez or something like that with the deal just to make me feel okay about it. But Sonny Gray is a linchpin on this team. He is a leader, and he's a guy that I think will be here when they're successful. He's not a guy that I feel the Reds can adequately price in a trade. So there's also some language in the different reports and the different articles that are written about the reports 
that the Reds are looking to space out his money. They're looking to spread out the money that they pay for Sonny Gray to different positions, and they're looking to see if they can maximize that wealth. Pretty sure you already are. And if you are able to take what he makes on a yearly basis, which according to SpotTrack.com is a shade over $10 million, then why on earth do you have to get rid of Sonny Gray to maximize $10 million? That just does not seem prudent to me. Sonny Gray is going to be a staple at the top of this rotation for the next couple of years. And yeah, you can look at his age and you can say, well, he is 31, so maybe you get out now. But I also remember another guy that we thought, or well, that the Reds, not we, especially not me. I wasn't alive when this happened, but the Reds thought was an old 30. I think you know what I'm talking about, Frank Robinson. Now, I'm not saying Sonny Gray is comparable to Frank Robinson in any way, but we're talking about the kind of thing that if you trade away Sonny Gray, you better be getting back like a franchise-changing player because Sonny Gray was a franchise-changing trade. Because of that trade, the Reds felt confident enough to make a deadline deal for Trevor Bauer. They felt confident enough to spend over $160 million last offseason. Sonny Gray was a catalyst for that. And you're going to trade him and tell me that the deal that you're getting back is comparable to that? I I remain slightly open-minded, but I really don't think that that can happen. I really don't think there's a realistic deal that we look at and we say, boy, the Reds are better off with this trade, with Sonny Gray going to Team X and the players that are coming back than if the Reds just keep Sonny Gray and figure out a way to go spend some money on some free agents, which they totally could do. In fact, I saw in an article by Jim Bowden earlier yesterday that uh, they were looking at a possibility of the Reds signing Marcus Simeon for two years, $18 million. I would love that. That would be amazing. Do that. Don't go trading Sonny Gray and trying to find bargain bin basement deals and all this other stuff. That's not what Sonny Gray is for. Sonny Gray is for winning playoff games in a Cincinnati Reds uniform. And although I remain open-minded to see exactly what the Reds front office has in store for making this team better for 2021, I don't think it involves giving up Sonny Gray. And that's what we're going to end with here today. Thanks so much for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed. That way you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes like what we've got coming on Turkey Day, Thanksgiving Day. Chad Dotson's going to join me to talk about an awesome story from the vast archives of Reds history. And we'll get into that on Thursday. But for now, tell your smart device to play the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. And I will talk to each and every one of you tomorrow. Let's go Rex. Hey. Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.